to be here, so we're uh, streaming. It's like a private stream that we're doing with the service. But uh, I like to take this time of year as we're uh, kind of going over uh, the annual budget and and uh, kind of looking to the next year uh, to kind of do somewhat of a uh, of a vision night um, and kind of just reiterate and 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 kind of maybe. Uh, zero in on some of the things we want to maybe focus on this next year or just some things that, uh, uh, as a church, the direction we're going or if the Lord's laid some things in my heart, just kind of share with the church. And uh, so we're going to do that. Why don't we turn to uh, Ephesians 4. The last couple of years I've really kind of seen Ephesians 4 as really just a good overview of a mission statement for a church. And, uh, and, and what, what are we here for? What is it all about? Um, there's a church down the street they, they put a, on their sign this week it says uh, uh, what is the purpose of the church now it's probably they're doing a sermon series on what the church is all about but I remember I was driving by I thought if you don't know by now you guys are in trouble but <laughs> uh, just playful right but, uh, but what is the church you know and by the way you ask that question you can get a lot of different answers um, there was a church in New York uh, I'm going to use the, the term loosely because I think they really missed the boat. But uh, uh, they had said, it's, it's one of those like kind of celebrity churches, uh, mega church. And uh, he had said to the congregation, he said, if, you're, if you know Jesus, uh, they like to use kind of words like that. If you know Jesus, um, uh, then this church is not for you. And uh, what he was getting at is that their target, their main purpose is the lost. All right, it sounds good, sounds noble. And, uh, and then he says, if, you're, if, you, uh, if you meet Jesus this week, this is the terminology they'd use instead of this, uh, saved and lost. These are Bible words, okay? And uh, uh, he says that if you get saved, if you meet Jesus this week, then next week this will not be the church for you. And, uh, and I know what he was doing. He was challenging people that we're here to reach the world and, and things like that. But I got to step back and ask myself that is that really what church is all about? You see, who is the church for anyway? And, and, and who are the church? <laughs> say it that way. Who is the church? Who makes up the church? What is the church about? And, and, uh, and I know we, we, we've had to kind of really, it's really hard to drill, and we've got to remind ourselves of this often. Church is not a building, right? Church is not a building. And I'm thankful for the building we get to have church in. But uh, years ago, we used to call it this. We used to call it the church house. Why? Because it's a roof. When we assemble under it, we are the church. All right. And, uh, well, who's the we? Well, believers, as they assemble, they come out from the world and gather together and assemble together in a place. That's what the word means, ecclesia, the church. And so then we say, so what is it about? What are we to do? Now, uh, should the Great Commission be a part of it? Absolutely. But, folks, it's for the people. The problem is the people, in many cases, are not witnessing and they're not sharing their faith. So what we have done the last couple centuries is we've made church the central point of evangelism. Bring all the lost. And by the way, if you have lost friends, bring them. That's wonderful. Okay? But, um, but let's not miss this, that, that church is, is, about, is, is God's plan to grow his believers, to train them, to prepare them. And, uh, and, and, and high on that is learning how to share your faith, of course. And I'm not saying lost people aren't welcome here. Well, we want them here. We'd love for them to come here. But, uh, but look at Ephesians 4. Look at verse number 11. <clears throat> and he gave some apostles and some prophets. By the way, do we have any more apostles and prophets today? That was kind of weak. Uh, there might be some questions there, right? Uh, 
the Bible says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus himself, Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Where, how is that represented today? Well, this is how the apostles and prophets is how he gave us the word. All right. So he gave us the Bible, but he gave some apostles and prophets. And then he says this, and some, and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what? For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's using this illustration. We see it uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 and 14. Uh, also that, that the church is the body of Christ. It's a body. And, and what are we doing? We, we come together and he gave these gifts, if you would, for the pur purpose of perfecting or maturing the saints. For what? For, for, to what end? So that the saints can work in the ministry for the work of the ministry. By the way, that's where you want to fit in the Great Commission where you can learn how to share your faith, you can learn how to minister, you can learn how to do those things. For the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till when? Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and do a perfect man, complete man, if you would, the body of Christ. And uh, look at verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive... You know, there's a lot of that today, is there not? Uh, people go to and fro, every wind of doctrine. It's amazing some of the doctrines I come across. Uh, some things people dream up. And uh, Jude calls them filthy dreamers. They're making stuff up. And uh, um, uh, to, to what end? Well, they, 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 they serve their own bellies, and uh, uh, they, they want to tickle people's ears. Uh, you know, all these passages that kind of point to that. Uh, uh, they'll, turn the, they'll turn away from sound doctrine and be turned to fables, uh, uh, what Paul wrote to Timothy about. So then he says this, uh, that they lie in wait to deceive. Deceive who? Deceive those that are not grounded in their faith. Those that aren't grounded in sound doctrine. And in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him. In all things, which is the head, even Christ. So he says, here's what we ought to do. We ought to speak the truth in love, that we together would grow up in Christ, from whom the whole body, we're talking about the body, so that church fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I love that last phrase. Why did he give these apostles, prophets, uh, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers? For the edifying. But now what, what, ha what takes place? It comes full circle when that church becomes mature. What happens? It edifies itself in love. It's a, it's a self-sufficient, healthy church. You see? And so I think that's a wonderful mission statement, a wonderful direction for any church. Now within there, we can start to flesh it out. How is that going to look like in our dynamics, in our demographic, with what we're dealing with uh, in this local church? But, uh, but I, I want to say this as we, go, as we go along the way. I saw this uh, uh, a video recently, a guy, apparently, uh, you know, when, with all the COVID, some people have had some downtime lately, and, and this guy started uh, analyzing the sermons of the top, I think it was uh, the top nine churches in America. And, uh, and he was kind of analyzing them, and, uh, and, and you know what he found out? There's a lot of talk about the gospel, but none of them ever shared the gospel. 
you know, and, and we're not careful, we kind of will fall into that as well, you know, what is the, you know, and, and we, we see in scriptures, by the way, that Paul, even to believers, shared the gospel over and over again, and made that, you know, a very important part of it, but from there flows everything else, that's the starting place, from there flows everything else, and by the way, I want to balance that with this, there's a lot more in this book than just the gospel, okay, uh, but that's the starting place, but even from there, you know, he started kind of was analyzing all these things, and, 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 and uh, one of the things he's co come to this conclusion was, we love to talk about, you know, here, here's, here are your typical sermons. Five ways to improve this, and, and ten, ten ways to uh, overcome this, and five, you know, it's all, all these lists of self-help is what they've turned into, and that's what sermons have become, a bunch of self-help. Now, now, should a sermon help? Uh, I think, yeah, and, and there may be times for very just practical, rubber-meets-the-road times, but, but we're not studying the Bible. And that, and that becomes a real big problem. And so how do we grow up in Him? Well, we need to make sure we're sticking to the foundation, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Himself, the chief cornerstone. What did they teach? What did they give us? What have they left us with? And so, so I want to say that keeping the Word of God is paramount. Keeping it where it belongs. The... the, the, the the Bible talks about how that thou ought to know us how to behave thyself in the in the, the church of God or in the house of God, excuse me, which is the church, the pillar and ground of the truth. Anybody know what a pillar does? It's a support. You see, it's a support. And and the church is to be that pillar of truth. But if you lose sight of what you're even supporting, we get ourselves in trouble. And so, as a great starting place, let's come back to this and say, we need to make sure that this is front and center, this is paramount, this is the most important thing. But then from there, I want to say this. If we're not careful, we get stuck there. How many of you believe that uh, the Word of God should change your life? How many of you believe the Gospel should change your life? And the Word of God. God's Word has a power to change lives. There's a song I'd love to do, maybe sometime we'll put together, that, that, that's what it's called, God's Word Changes Lives. And, um, and, and it is a powerful book. The, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and we need to, to, to keep that uh, in, in front and center. But, but, you know, if we're not careful, we, we, and I talk about this a lot, but we separate the spiritual from the carnal. We separate the spiritual from life. Right? We kind of draw a diagram, if you would, of our, of our life, uh, like, a, like a, a wheel with spokes on it. And we put ourselves there in the center, and this spoke represents my, my work life. This spoke represents my family life. This spoke represents my recreation. This, boat, this spoke represents my spiritual life. And we have this, all these spokes that make up me, my life. The problem is that diagram is all messed up. We've got to take ourselves out of the center and put God there in his place. And then every spoke should flow from there. You see, I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. I'm a follower of Christ before I'm anything else. And, and, you know, whatever profession I'm in, whatever direction I go, whatever hobby I participate in, uh, uh, I am a Christian first and foremost. You see, we ought to have that, have such a conviction. I remember my wife and I went on a vacation one time, one time, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, honey, I need to. Uh, um, and uh, we went down to, uh, to Mexico for a week. 
And um, there were guys there with Cuban cigars, and you know, everyone's trying to sell stuff, and this guy's like, oh, Cuban cigar, Cuban cigar. And I was like, no, thanks, I don't smoke. And he goes, oh, come on, you're on vacation. And I was like, oh, well, in that case, you know, light me up. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to completely change who I am because I'm on vacation, right? And um, no, I'm a Christian, right? And um, anyways, I say all that to say this, that church and studying the Word of God it ought to impact every, every part of our life. Our young people ought to shine when they enter the workforce. And people ought to say, like we looked at this morning, Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these guys are ten times better than all the workers I'm getting from the world. These guys are ten times, they got the work ethic, their honesty, they, they, they never cheat on their time card. And they're, they're where they're supposed to be, and I can depend on them. And, uh, you know, that, that, that flows from character, from spending time in the Word of God, and letting the Word of God and the Spirit of God change your life. But if this is true, then here's what I think. I think church, I've mentioned this before, that it should be the hub, kind of, of everything we do. I, I have a weird view of church, personally. I, I just really think that most of my life, now I'm a, I'm a pastor, I understand, but most of my life should revolve around church. It's kind of what we see in the New Testament. Book of Acts, that was like the central hub of life's activities. Does that mean my kids can't do sports or things? No, I think they should do that kind of stuff, but, but let me just say this. What goes on here is much more important than making, than making a soccer game. Uh, we, have, we have some people that are away for some, some games. I'm not, that's not a jab at you, I promise. Uh, <laughs> but what, I, what I'm saying is, is uh, 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 this is important. And what goes on here is important. But, but if all we ever do is say, well, if I just get my kids to hear the preaching, then they're going to live for God. If I can just get my kids into Sunday school, they're going to live for God. Uh, I think that's why a lot of parents get very disappointed when their teenager all, all of a sudden becomes a rebel. Or their 18-year-old all of a sudden has no interest in church. Well, first of all, you don't pass on your responsibility to the church. But second of all, I think as a church, we could do a lot more. In not only winning the hearts of our young people, but, uh, but developing them. And so that's kind of the direction we're going a little bit with the church as we're, we're planning our calendar and we're looking at things ahead. And, and so I'm pretty excited about it. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, you don't need to turn there, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 after a nice little chunk of just very practical application, uh, I think th starting in verse 16 or so, it says, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Um, uh, uh, um, despise not prophesying, and, and hold fast that which is good. And this whole list of very practical things, abstain from the, very appearance, uh, from the appearance of evil. But then it goes into this in verse 23, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, that's God doing a work in us. And what, what's the prayer? That the God of peace would sanctify us wholly. And here's what the prayer was. I pray, God, your whole body, uh, excuse me, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. What's the prayer here? That your whole person be changed by God. The spirit, yeah, hey, praise the Lord, I'm saved. He has revived my spirit. Ye who are dead in trespasses and sins, he's, he's made alive, he's quickened together with him. That's the spirit. 
The soul, my mind, emotions, and will, that's where there's a lot going on in the battle today. That well, What am I constantly doing? I must be in the Word and let it renew my mind and make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But then your body. That's interesting, because you know we're in this world still. You know what Paul said, uh, um, bodily exercise profited little. He didn't say it doesn't profit at all. And the point that he's making there is, that let's make sure things, all things are in their proper proportion. It doesn't do you any good if you're working so much on this temple that perishes, but you're not taking care of what's inside the temple and, and, and exercising the spiritual. Does that make sense? And so with that, you know, we, we want to we say, how are we developing our young people in this physical world? How are we preparing them? You know, I was talking with um, um, I don't know why my mind just goes blank all the time. The, the gentleman down in uh, Costa Rica, they're getting their training. Les Derby, thank you so much. <laughs> I know this guy. Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that the Lord's put on his heart and uh, several pa- churches are getting behind is a sort of a training camp uh, for millennial missionaries that know, don't, don't know the difference between a screwdriver and a hammer. Because that's the day we live in. Hey, my, my uh, three-year-old, she can get her work, work her way around an iPad pretty amazingly. Three years old, okay? And that's the, you know, that's the generation coming up. They can fix your computer, but can they, can they you know, do basic things? And so, so what are we doing? Well, we want to prepare our young people for this world, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, practically. And so with a lot of these things, what we're doing is we're putting together some groups and we're developing ourselves, not just our young people, but, but, but dads, it starts with us. So what we're doing with our, with our men's group is we're, we're going to start having some very pointed meetings and we're going to bounce things off each other. We're going to say, what are your skill set? Maybe you can share your skill set where you're strong with that area that I'm weak and then I'm going to share with you where I'm strong with the area you're weak. And what are we going to do? We're going to help each other develop wholly as men and then we're going to pass that on to our young people and bring them in, in. Hey, let me show you something. I learned how to weld. Why don't you come and try to weld with me and you can get some burns too. And we bring them along, and they learn some practical things. And, and then the women's group, and they're challenging each other with, with, uh, with health things, and, and, uh, and, and devo- they're having devotions, and they're practical things, and, and they're going to be training and challenging each other how to, you know, the Bible tells us the older women should teach the younger women how, how, to, how to be a keepers at home, how to love their husbands. You see, how to, how to handle uh, some of these things. That, and I understand, you know, uh, there are stages in life and some young moms get frustrated. I don't know what to do. My house is out of control. And, and, uh, and every older lady says, yeah, I was there too. Maybe we can help you. Maybe we can show you some things. I, lo- I love that passage where it says, teach them how to love their husbands. Uh, you know, men are commanded to love their wives. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The word there is agape sacrificial, selfless, unconditional love. That's how I'm commanded to love my wife. Nowhere is the wife specifically commanded to love her husband, except for general commands like, you know, love your enemies, (laughs) love your neighbors, those kinds of things. But uh, what's interesting is where it says teaching the uh, wives to love their husbands, the word there is not agape like the husband's love. The word there is phileo. And we know what that, that, that word is? Like Philadelphia, the city of what? It's brotherly love. In other words, the older women need to teach the young women how to get along with their husbands. 
how to live with them, okay? <laughs> because they've learned a thing or two, all right? Uh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. <laughs> and uh, and so, so what's, this, what's this lady's thing? It's development. And, uh, and coming together, uh, in a couple of weeks, we're having a couples retreat. The first one, uh, we're, we're trying, but I want this to become at least an annual thing where we can just kind of zero in on our marriages. And I'm really excited about some of the discussions we might have and, and the, the, the video series we're going to go through. And, and I think it's going to be a help to our couples. My wife and I have previewed uh, uh, some of it, and we've already been talking about some things in our own marriage. And that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for discussion, communication, you see? Because we'll never have strong families if we don't have strong marriages. We'll never have a strong church if we don't have strong marriages. So we need to invest in these, these pillars, okay? And then, of course, families. We want to be a very family-centered and family-focused church. We're training the next generation, folks. This is the next generation, and if the Lord tarries, I don't know if you'd notice, but I don't think we're going to be passing on a better world than we had. Things are getting kind of crazy in our world, in, in, in America as we know it. Things are getting crazy. And so what do we need to do? We need to be preparing and equipping our young people to carry the torch, to carry the torch of the gospel, to carry the torch of their faith, and to stand strong in a wicked and perverse generation. What, what is going to be left behind for them? I think about uh, David in Psalm 16, verse number 6. The lions are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And I hope some of, my, some, I hope some of our young people will look back and reflect and say, Boy, I've got a goodly heritage that's been passed on to me. And so with that, we're going to talk about a few things tonight. One of the things we're going to talk about this is... Uh, is the new fellowship hall. Now, I want to say this. This church building we're sitting in right now, it's simply a tool. It's nice. It's a tool. It's a tool, so we have somewhere comfortable to stay. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how long we'd be able to have a church in the wintertime in Alaska if we had to meet at the park. It's nice that we have heat. It's nice that we have a nice church. I think the Lord's work should be done first class. I think we should reflect uh, uh, our God well and say, you know, if it's, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. It's worth doing well. Okay? These are tools. That new fellowship hall is going to be a tool as we train our young people. You know what I want to have? Here's my prayer, my desire, my dream for some of our young people. I want to I I see some weddings here. And I want to see some pure young people make vows before everybody. And I want to see them commit their, their marriage and, and, and look at their parents and look at their pastor and look at their church and say, say, you guys challenged us to walk with God. And now we want to have a home that walks with God, where Christ is the center. That's what I want. I want to see that. And, and so, so these are some tools. You say, what in the world is that a tool for? For what we're doing. You say... CIA, isn't that all about the kids having fun and everything? And, uh, well, what are we doing? We're investing. We're developing. We're helping them. It's a tool for, for outreach. We may have some opportunities to be a blessing and to serve our community and to say, hey, community, we want you to know that we're here and we love you and we want to show Christ's love to you. We are different in this regard. It's a tool in that we're going to have a place for these, these developing um, um, 
uh, uh, all these things we've been talking about, developing uh, skill sets and things. We want to have a little garage so our teenage boys, girls too, can learn how to change their oil. Rotate tires, you know, some of these things that, uh, you know, you take it down to the mechanic and you just want an oil change and they come back saying, here's all the problems with the car. You're like, what? <laughs> you see, uh, a place, it's mentorship is what it is. You know, there are going to be a lot of things going on there. And so I, I say this is, this is a tool. What are we passing on and how are we doing it? You see, establishing and strengthening the foundations and making, uh, ma- making sure that, that this, this heritage that we want to pass on is very clear. In fact, we want to, uh, to make clear lines and, and very uh, structured foundation to say, all right, guys, the foundation has been laid, and we pass the torch to some of these young people, and they know exactly where to build, how to build, and why to build as they carry on what we've started. I look at some of these young men, and I'm thinking, Lord, which one of these boys is the next pastor? Which, 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 which of our young people are going to represent you on the mission field? Which of our young people are going to get married to each other? Don't get any ideas, but I'll tell you what, as parents, we're, we're praying about our, futures, our kids' future spouses. There ought to be, you know. Uh, and, and God put a hedge of protection around them. If they're not in a Christian home, Lord, guard them and protect them. You know, we're praying these kinds of prayers. But we want to make sure that foundation is set. The lions have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. So this next year, we're planning some things, and we're going to be doing uh, just life with our young boys. We're having a men and boys uh, uh, river float and camp out and, and uh, just have some, some good time there. We're going to have uh, ladies are going to do some things, and, and uh, of course, we're going to have our family camp. And, and what is all this about? It's, it's, it's building relationships and, and using these as opportunities to mentor one another. You know, um, it's very difficult to get to that place of mentorship. The Bible says, faith for all the wounds of a friend. You know, if you don't reach friend level, it's hard to wound well. What happens if you wound someone and you're not in friend status? You offend. You offend. So we develop these things. I've had hard conversations with people where I've been wounded, and I come back to them and I say, thank you. Thank you. I've had other conversations where I've been wounded, and I say, get out of my life. <laughs> Why? They, they hadn't invested in me, or I in them, you see? And so these opportunities for us to just know each other and to grow together, and, and, and personalities will click, yes, but, 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 but we're looking at this as tools to say, hey, here's, here's some people that this person, compared to this person, there can be some mentoring going on there. There can be some development and some discipleship going on as we grow in the Lord. But again, I want to I make sure it's cl- I'm clear that this is our starting place. This is the most important thing. And from here flows out, you know, hey, uh, let's do some things. Let's plan some things uh, as, we, as we serve the Lord together. And so um, <clears throat> with that, um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we have a word of prayer and, uh, and we'll bring our meeting to order. But I, I did just want to kind of just lay out just some, some of my heart behind where we're going and what we're doing as a church, and uh, and I and I want to say this. Uh, I hope I hope I've been consistent as a pastor. I, I want to be, um, but this is my heart. 
okay? I love church that we like having uh, Sunday night fellowships. I love looking in, and around and seeing kids bringing out board games and playing together. I love seeing conversations and, and different folks talking with different folks who maybe hadn't talked before, and I, I love seeing those development, uh, those developments. And, and, uh, and some, some nights I'm like, wow, it's 10 o'clock and everyone's still here. This is, this is amazing. I love it. All right. And, uh, and so these are just things that I think are just so important. It's not just uh, every time we get together, it's just preach, 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 and everyone go home. Uh, though I think preaching, God elevates that above all the other spiritual activities. That is the most important thing. And we ought to have preaching. There's a lot of things that we ought to be doing. Okay? And so much the more as we see the day approaching. All right? We are going to be our strength. We are going to be our encouragement. We are going to, you know, if we don't find it here, where are we going to find it? You think the world's going to encourage us as days get darker? We will, we will find our strength here. And so we need to be closer and stronger and, and more equipped. And so... That's just, I wanted to share my heart a little bit. Anybody have any uh, things they want to question on that before we move on? But I just want to kind of just share that a little bit. We good? Love you, church. It's such a blessing to me. Uh, let's have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll bring the meeting to order. Lord, we do thank you for uh, 